James 2, beginning in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Over these years of my being a Christian and having been involved in so many efforts towards evangelizing lost souls, the most common form of resistant response that I've encountered from unbelievers is one that argues this point that, well, I really do try my best to do what's right. And I try my best to love my neighbor as best that I can. And I try my best to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. And so they'll then conclude, they'll say, and I believe that when I do stand before God in judgment, that He'll weigh those good things that I do against those things that I don't do well. And because of the good things that I do, He'll let me into heaven. Some of them will add, at least I hope so. Sadly, for every person who places their hope in beliefs such as those, on their day of judgment, they will be sorely disappointed. Because instead of the heaven that they'll be hoping for, what they're going to hear instead is the Lord Jesus saying, Depart from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. Go out into everlasting punishment. Now those words might sound very harsh to some. But why must God be that way? Why is God so set in His ways in all these matters? So absolute and so unchangeable in His righteousness and in His laws. Why? It's because of His nature. God is holy. He is absolutely holy. And it's also because of the nature of sin and the nature of sinful man. Sin of any kind and to any degree is unholy. And because God is absolutely holy, He cannot abide with unholiness in His presence, especially for an eternity. If God were to do that, to allow any form of sin, no matter how small or insignificant that it might seem to be to us, if He were to allow any form of that sin to enter in and to become a part of His kingdom eternally, then it would corrupt heaven. And it would corrupt His perfect holiness. And He can't do that. God can't do that. He can't allow that. What that means then for us is that before we can ever hope to be allowed to enter into heaven, this dilemma of sin within our souls 
will have to be dealt with. All sin, no matter how seemingly small, will have to be removed from our souls. Absolutely and completely removed. Washed clean. Without even a trace of it remaining. And then we can enter into heaven. May I pause here and say, that's why it's so necessary that you and me be ready today because you and I don't know what's going to take place once we walk out that door. We may be good drivers, but the other guy might not be. And suddenly we're hit head on. And if this hasn't taken place, we're suddenly going to be standing there before God in judgment. And will that sin that has lingered there within us so long, what are we going to do with that? Because we cannot bring any of that with us into His presence. And there's only one way that this sin that has been a part of our souls for so long can be taken away. This dilemma of sin that we live within daily. The truth of how it's to be dealt with is just spread all throughout this Gospel with words that just cry out to us loudly and continually. It says to us, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can completely wash us free and clean from all of our sin. I love the words of the Gospel song there and we'll sing it later. Listen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then listen to these words. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Naught of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Did you hear those last words? Those last words are speaking directly to this error in belief that I spoke about a moment ago. And also what these Scriptures are teaching us here today. That false belief that as long as I can do more good deeds than bad ones, then somehow my good deeds will wipe away the bad ones. And then God will welcome me into His kingdom. But that's not the way it works. That's just not so. That will not take place. Our good deeds have no ability to wipe away, to wash away our sins. As this song tells us here, naught of good that I have done, no matter how much good, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And yes, all through these Scriptures, and we'll study it even here in these, God truly is merciful. And He really does want to show mercy to you and to me. But folks, there's so much more to the personality and to the character of God. God is not one-dimensional as so many people want Him to be. Only love. Only merciful. God is so much more than that. He has other elements to His character and one of those requirements within His character has to do with sin. He has a requirement within His covenant that He has made with us, and especially regarding sin, that it cannot remain within our souls as we enter into heaven. 
part of the covenant that God has made with us has to do with this measurement. The measurement of sin that we like to use. That errant standard that we like to talk about. We tell a little fib. Did you know there's no such thing as a little fib or a little white lie? It does not exist. There's no measurement of a little sin, of sins being of less importance or less severity than big sins, big sins that we can think of. God simply does not think that way. And we know that because of these scriptures. They tell us so. Listen to this. Verse 8 again. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you do well. But if you show partiality, partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, this one of partiality even, guilty of breaking the whole law. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. You commit one, you're breaking the whole law. Now back on verse 8, if we read that, and so many people like to read one verse and live with it and talk about it. Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Gosh, that sounds so good. And it really is good. It's the right thing. It's what God wants of us. But then comes verse 9. But if you show partiality, so you may be loving your neighbor or what you think you're doing in loving your neighbor, that you really think that you are. But he says, then if you turn and show partiality, you commit sin and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. He goes on to say there, and whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. And what he's saying here is, back there in verse 8, the good that we do in fulfilling the royal law does not cover over or erase or take away the wrong that we'll do if we show partiality or we sin in some other manner. Verse 9 again, If you show partiality, you commit sin. Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. Folks, listen. Sin is often so interwoven into and within the good things that we do that we can move from the good over into evil without ever realizing that we've crossed over that line. You're in this example, just simply welcoming one neighbor into your church, but then showing partiality towards another one in a simple way. Notice here too, that God takes a step that surprises most people. He elevates this really small sin, which is not a small sin, but what we would think as being small, sin of partiality, the same level as adultery and murder 
He talks about them there in this, just within a verse of each other. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. Words that were given just after this sin of partiality. Now, does God consider the mistreatment of partiality to be as heinous as murder and adultery? I would certainly think not. One certainly is far more heinous. So they may not be equal in nature because one is far more heinous than the other. But listen, that's not the point. If you do not deal in accordance with God's plan with these sins, no matter what you think of them, whether they be little or big, if you do not apply the atonement and the forgiveness that God offers for those sins, each of those sins then do carry the same eternal penalty, and that is death and hell. And so the same hell is reserved for the murderer, but also for the one who shows partiality. Now, does that seem unfair to you? That God would send a person to hell for such a seemingly menial sin as showing partiality one person over another. Does that seem unfair to you? Well, let me caution you right away. You've got to be careful if you decide to judge God. So you've got to be careful with that kind of thinking. God is unfair. You dare not judge God and His character, His holiness, accusing Him of being unfair. Please do not do that. I have heard of even preachers saying, it's okay to get angry at God. Well, let me just assure you, you're walking on thin ice. And especially when you start deciding He's unfair. But, as to His fairness, these Scriptures are very, very clear. It is not God's desire that any should perish. And so, such matters of sin, they're never on God's side of the equation. They are ever and always on our side of the equation. On God's side of the equation are these established laws. Laws, listen, laws that were for the sole purpose of ministering His loving kindness and holiness to us. Laws such as we're talking about here of telling us not to murder or, or to commit adultery with our neighbor. They are pure laws and given for the simple reason of love. Love for us and love for the ones that we'll hurt with our violence or our immorality. Those are not harsh commandments. Those are ministering points of love. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't lie to your neighbor. Don't steal from your neighbor. And it's from the same heart of love that God tells us not to show partiality in a sinful way towards someone. And that's whether that be a stranger or, or a neighbor or a relative or maybe even one child of ours over another. Sin is sin. And you and I are not going to be allowed to bring it into the kingdom of God. We simply are not going to be able to. 
And that's that. Now I want to pause here again for a moment and remind us about this kingdom of God. We often refer to it as only this place that we will go to after we die and we go to heaven. It is that, yes. But let me assure you, the kingdom of God begins now in this life. That first moment that we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, we immediately enter into the kingdom of God. And God does not allow you and me even now to bring those old sinful habits and behaviors into our new eternal relationship with Him. It all begins now. That's why James is saying that to us now. That our righteousness has begun already from that first moment that Christ implanted it into our souls. And so even now, His righteousness in us cannot coexist with our old sinful ways that we want to bring with us. And so as we're being told here, you and I need to deal with those sinful behaviors now, today, and every day. And that's why he says here in verse 12, So then, speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now we talked about this law of liberty the other day, but I want to say some more about it and I'd like to read for you some words from Matthew Henry's commentary about this law of liberty. Because this is what you and I need to exercise as we go about relating to these differing people that we come across each day and the ones especially that we want to have a quick opinion of. Wrongfully so. Matthew Henry says of this, he says, the gospel itself is called a law. Now we don't think of the gospel as a law, but it is. And he says it's because it has requisites of a law. It has precepts uh, and it has rewards and punishment and it uh, prescribes duty that we have as well as administers comfort. In it, Christ is king to rule over us as well as a prophet to teach us and a priest then to sacrifice and intercede for us. We are under the law of Christ. But he goes on to say, but it's a law of liberty. Not like the old law of that's so strict. It's a law of liberty. And one that we have no reason to complain about being a yoke of burden. For the service of God, according to the gospel, is this freedom that we have. We are set apart from this bondage that we have towards thinking that this person that we're looking at is of less value than this other person because this other person has a nice suit on. But this person over here is scruffy looking and he doesn't work and I know his family and his whole family is dysfunctional. God says there's a bondage that takes place within us that keeps us opinionating about people all the time within our minds. He goes on to say, though, that this law of liberty sets you free from that. You don't have to be controlled by that kind of thinking anymore. He says, we're going to be judged by this law of liberty. He says, that's that set of books that God opens when it comes time for our judgment. Matthew Henry goes on to say, the doom which will be passed upon in penitent sinners will be judgment without mercy. 
without mercy, you decide that person that is there in front of you, if he be perhaps of another color or another nationality, or it's just this scruffy neighbor that never works and is always on welfare. The judgment that you have within your heart that causes that partiality, that little sin, it's not little because it's erupting out of this judgmental basis that is just wrong. And the Lord is saying, the doom which will be passed upon impenitent sinners will be judgment without mercy. He says, he shall show judgment without mercy to those that have shown no mercy. And listen to this. What's going on in hell? He says, this is Matthew Henry. He says, there will be no mixtures or reliefs in the cup of wrath and of trembling. Hell is going to be the same awful torment for the person who committed murder as the person who showed partiality. Those who have no mercy shall find no mercy in that great day of judgment. Matthew Henry goes on to say, All the children of men in the last day will either be vessels of wrath or vessels of mercy. It concerns all to consider among which they shall be found. Let us remember that blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So then, as for you and me, how will we respond to these truths that God has set before us. And yes, it does at first glance seem at least odd to our senses that simply showing favoritism towards someone over another would receive the same judgment that a person who commits adultery and and murder would receive. But again, with God and now with us because we have His righteous presence within us, the degree of sin is not the question. The degree of sin, this little sin, is not the question. It is rather the actual presence of sin at all. If you and I can accept just a little bit of a sinful condition within us, well, I'm just that way, you say. Have you heard someone say that? Have you said that? Well, that's just just the way I think. You're making an excuse for sin. And God's saying that's not going to be allow. You can't do that. It's not some little sin to Him. You and I, again, may not like those strict standards that God has set there for His holiness. And it might not fit our sensibilities and our rationale. But folks, listen. He is holy. He is absolutely holy. And He cannot abide in the presence of any form of sin. Again, if he allows himself to do that, then he himself will become unholy. And he can never do that. And you and I should never ask him to do that. We are the ones that should change, not ask him to change. So then, our response can only be one thing, and that's for us to join him in his holiness. And by the way, because he asks us to be holy, He also puts within us everything that it takes to be holy. And all we have to do is receive what He is putting into us and He'll do the rest. So a question as we close. How will we know if this imputed righteousness of Christ is really taking place within our souls? Are we any different than the way we were 
months ago, weeks ago. God gives us just a simple measurement, and that is we will begin to notice within ourselves that we really don't like the way we responded to this or that situation. Have you come across that? Or you have thought after you were speaking to someone, I wish I hadn't said that. That was just wrong. I hurt their feelings. I, I should not have railed at that person. One of the easy places that I find to sin in that way is on the telephone. I'm not looking at that person, and so I can be unkind to them. But listen, God says mercy should triumph over judgment. It's when you and I start to sense within our own responses and our own personality, I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to be kinder. I want to be more merciful to that person. No matter if they didn't do what they were supposed to do. No matter if they did disappoint me. And so, when you and I start to see that we are changing, and we're, we begin at least the process of stopping being the way that we once were and wanting to be different, to show genuine mercy and love, especially to those that we can so easily cast stones at, those scruffy-looking people that we see in our neighborhood, that's when the changes are beginning to be made in us. That's the Holy Spirit. And so He says to us, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by this law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray.